0: They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends,
1: hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Paz and Chad, the two-man power champ!
2: This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and today's episode is brought to you by Spartacon, a Rebels convention hosted by the Red Serpents, August 15th and 16th at the Blue Crab Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland. Please visit RedSerpents.com for more information, and with that being said, I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John Pause, Mr. Primetime, how are you this evening?
0: Hey yo, I'm doing pretty good, Chad. How are you doing, buddy? I'm
2: doing fantastic. And today's episode features the former million dollar tough enough winner, Daniel Pewter. And with tough enough being a very, very hot button topic these days, Daniel Pewter comes on to talk about his days as a tough enough contestant a WWE superstar, an MMA fighter, and what he's doing now with my life, my power, world, motivational speaking, fighting bullies, doing everything good in the world to make our youth and the people of tomorrow a a much better class of human beings.
0: Oh, yeah, Uh, no doubt about that. And uh, different to see him in this uh, this light, if, if you will, because coming from his background, you almost wouldn't think, uh, you know, he'd be better, you know, quote, unquote, better in the world. You figured he'd be smashing some skulls and uh, breaking some noses in some places. But, no, he's completely turned around, and he's he's really giving back, and he's really doing some great, great things with his life right now.
2: He definitely is, and he's very, very passionate about it. And uh, it's actually something that I think is quite uh, quite cool because I don't think we really got to see the, uh, the, the personality of Daniel Pewter while on, WWE TV and granted that was almost 10 years ago oddly enough um but Daniel definitely he's done very well for himself and he's actually making his pro wrestling return on June 21st and we're going to tell you a little bit about that later on but before uh before we get into all that John he talked about the most infamous thing of the million dollar tough enough and
0: that's the square down with Kurt Angle what are your thoughts oh man I just remember that watching that and just thinking, I think Kurt Angle might be in trouble here. And, like, you kind of are paying attention to it, but you're kind of not. And all of a sudden, the ref counts three and Angle gets the win over Pewter. But if you really, really focus in on it, uh, Daniel's got the Kimura, the Kimura lock, one of my favorite holds ever. I love that. He's got it locked in, and he could possibly either break Angle's arm or he could possibly make angle tap from the Tamora. So, I mean, just crazy to think about it, but that was almost the, uh, if he wanted to, and if he really wanted to go into business for himself and he wasn't a team player, he could have made angle tap or he could have broke angle's arm. But uh, he didn't do it, but he's got a lot of MMA experience. He's got a great MMA background, and he used to train with Frank Shamrock.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's very cool. It's such a uh, such an awesome thing when you go back and watch it and you see referee Jimmy Corderas uh, really call it on the spot to count uh, Pewter's arms down for three very fast uh, to save uh, Kurt Angle. And it's, uh, it's quite fascinating. And probably the story of a tough enough class that brought us the Miz, and brought us Ryback and brought us the boogeyman, oddly enough, uh man who was actually disqualified from the million dollar tough enough for uh maybe some tests and uh some age restrictions mm. that he didn't pass mm-hmm. or something like that. But uh I digress and we move on. And actually um before we really get into uh the meat and potatoes of uh, Daniel's return to wrestling, I'm not gonna put you on the spot here, am I? But what was the oddest piece of Daniel Pewter trivia that came out of this episode?
0: No doubt about it was uh, the history that he had with the one and only Dave Meltzer. I was shocked to hear it, and and you'll hear how it comes out in the interview because I, I think it actually comes out pretty well. I think, but it's also kind of funny as well. And he's saying um, Meltzer like, whoa, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like what? Like because I didn't know the background, so I'm just thinking like. I'm like, that's interesting. He's like, interesting in what way? And then, you know, obviously he gets into the story, into the background, and he tells a story about how um, Dave Meltzer's wife played a big role in, in his um, getting into the wrestling business as well. Very, that was my most interesting part. I thought that was quite a bit of not, uh, knowledge and quite a bit of trivia that I did not know, and I actually ended up uh, emailing Dave Meltzer about it, and he gave me a little bit more of the background of him and Daniel and the story, so it's very, very cool to know, but you'll hear... The whole thing from Daniel himself. Well, if you could just share really quick, what did uh, what did Dave say? Oh, he uh, he basically was saying that uh, he's known Daniel since he was a young man. Um, they're both from the uh, San Jose, California area, and that uh, Daniel was training MMA. And as uh, I think everyone knows, Dave Meltzer is the uh, godfather of journalism for not only wrestling. So, you know, so to speak the modern era of of wrestling journalism, but basically the godfather of MMA journalism. And he was really good friends with Frank Shamrock from the AKA gym out there in uh, California, in San Jose. And Daniel Peter used to train MMA over there. So Meltzer and him obviously crossed paths, became friends. uh, Daniel Peter, I guess, didn't know what to do, what he wanted to do. And, uh, David Meltzer's wife suggested that he get into the wrestling business and try out for Tough Enough. You know, and get trained. It's crazy. So yeah. basically, that's that's uh, crazy. Basically crazy,
2: isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, like, you really caught us off guard when you said it because it's just, it, it's not that it's, and I kind of think he kind of was taken aback by us being so taken aback, but it's just, it's a weird, uh, one of those weird, you know, things in wrestling that there's always some kind of uh, link somewhere or another. But, uh, yeah, I kind, exactly of brings, yeah, didn't kind really of, expect it, yeah. Right. Well, now he left the wrestling business, and he's coming back June 21st. My life, my power, entertainment. It's going to be a big pro wrestling charity event in Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, Texas. Daniel's making his in return. He's teaming with Major Mark to take on Alex Chamberlain and former TNA superstar Jesse Sorensen. Uh, also on the card will be Angelina Love and Davey Richards. Uh, and uh, thanks to Daniel Pewter, they will be giving us uh, two tickets to this event uh, to any listener. Uh, I'm kind of thinking of a diplomatic way to give these tickets away, and it's just, listen, the first person in the Pasadena, Texas, listening area, that emails t h t C-H-A-D, Ian, I-A-N, B, at gmail.com. Again, it's T H T Ian, B, at gmail.com. Tell us where you're from. Give us your name, your details. I'll tell you if you got the tickets, and we'll get you in touch with Daniel's people to get you said tickets. Um, and there you go. Enjoy this episode. But before we get into that, and before we get into Spartacom one more time, I just want to take a step back and uh, just want to mention very, very briefly um, the just absolute heartbreak and sadness that John and I both are expressing uh, to the family of and uh it was an absolute like i said honor um kind of at a loss for words again but i want to just thank uh all the the people who were kind enough to uh mention us in their pieces and their articles about dusty and uh it was just very touching but john i don't know what else you have to add to that
0: but uh it's just it's been a crazy week oh yeah yeah i mean crazy isn't the uh, word to describe it it's been totally surreal i mean just the fact that we were able to uh, get Dusty on in the first place was just insane to us, and we were so excited, and it was great, and it was like, boom, just like that, he was gone. It was crazy, because he was, and you know, we're not friends with him, or you know, we didn't really know him that well, besides being huge, huge fans of him throughout our career, but you know, when we had him on, he made us feel like we were like his friends. He was so nice, he was so humble, but yet you know, with the Dusty Road flair to him with a little bit of an ego, you know what I mean? Typical, great Dusty, so it was so, so sad to hear that and and to just hear him on Facebook on, on Monday night when we talked to him and he sounded so great and he sounded so young and so vibrant to hear just a few days later he passed. So condolences to the Rhodes family. Very, very, very sad to hear that and the wrestling world lost a huge icon, a huge legend in the business and uh, tough times in the wrestling business right now. Very, very sad to hear the passing of Dusty and uh, the makes it even more real the fact that we literally just talked to him and it was like I said before a total total honor and what a privilege it was to be his last interview and, and it's just unreal uh you know that that was our chance to you know to get him on like that and just heartfelt condolences to go out to the Rhodes family
2: without a doubt and we mentioned uh the Mount Rushmore professional wrestling and uh give me the chisel and uh, point me toward the rock because I'd start chiseling Dusty's face in there right now because uh, he deserves it, and uh, we really, we're going to miss him. But with that being said, we're going to get back into the serious portion of the program, and that is that today's episode is brought to you by Spartacon, a Rebels convention, hosted by the Red Serpents on August 15th and 16th at the Blue Crabs Stadium in Waldorf, Maryland, please visit theredserpents.com. Excuse me, redserpents.com for more information. And John, uh, before you get into the rest of the great info about the Red Serpents and telling all the fans where we get, I'm going to let you throw it over to Daniel Pewter and visit redserpents.com for more information on Spartacon.
0: Oh yeah, Spartacon. The best part, in my view, of Spartacon will be the Spartacon Marketplace, which you're going to have booth after booth after booth of unique, creative, and handmade products from vendors who are just as passionate as the people that are there. I mean, just amazing. I think that's the best part when you go to these big events is the merch tables, is the vendor tables. That's just great. And not only that, you walk around those tables, you'll see an impressive guest list of stars from the show Spartacus. So you'll want to check those merch tables and those vendor tables out. That is great. And in addition to all that, for those that are traveling there, to the special Spartacon convention. There will be a Spartacon discounted rate at the Hilton Garden Inn and also at the Hampton Inn. Both of those hotels are in Waldorf, Maryland. You can get more information on all things Spartacon at redserpents.com. Again, that is redserpents.com. And that is Spartacon, August 15th and 16th in Waldorf, Maryland, at the Blue Crab Stadium. One more time, please visit Red. And now for some TMPT business, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Leave some feedback. We would love to hear what you think. Also, check us out on Facebook. You can like us there. Got a lot, a lot of new pictures and stuff up on uh, Facebook, and I think you'll really enjoy that. Also, please check us out on Twitter, on the Twitter machine, at wrestling Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Also, cannot forget about the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. Please, on the upper left-hand corner, please click on the Amazon link. Check that out. Do all of your Amazon shopping through us. Now, if I could, please send you along to a great interview we did. A lot of great stuff. If you want to hear all about Tough Enough, you want to hear all about Dave Meltzer, you want to hear all about Kurt Angle, all about the WWE and all about how the million-dollar tough enough wasn't a million dollars and how it was a big scam. Well, listen up to this show because the great Daniel Pewter is next. Please enjoy. Bye. No problem.
2: Joining us on the line tonight is a man who will definitely ring a bell when we talk about The topic at hand, and that is the million-dollar Tough Enough winner. He's an undefeated mixed martial artist, and he's also the founder of My Life, My Power Power World, an anti-bullying and youth development program. We welcome Daniel Pewter to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you so much for joining us, Daniel.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on tonight. How are you guys doing? Doing very well, doing very well. So you know what? Tell us
2: about My Life. My Power World, because anti-bullying is obviously a very, very hot topic. And uh, definitely with your background, I would love to see how you present yourself uh, to an anti-bullying campaign. Tell us all about it.
1: Yeah, so so there's a lot of campaigns, like you just mentioned, campaigns out there. There's a lot of campaigns, and there's there's very little solution. So a campaign like the war on drugs or anti-cigarette campaigns actually cause more of whatever they say don't do. The subconscious recognizes the the word of when you say don't do drugs or don't bully. It recognizes the bully word or the don't word or the, uh, the the drug word, but the don't just goes through your brain. So what's very interesting is is we created a systematic approach where we go in and we train anywhere from uh, five to a hundred hundred fifty people at a time, which are law enforcement, educators, parents, um, uh, community members, and we help them understand how to create intrinsic motivation within kids and build their personal brand while uh, helping them understand where they're going, which is the vision, why they're going there, which is a purpose, and then creating a mission to get there. So goals and tasks and that sort of thing. And so most people go in and tell people facts like don't bully, but the, the problem is is that they're never solving the root core of what's happening in their life. So, If you just go in and say one specific thing and don't have a follow-through or follow-up, it's kind of like if you went to the gym for one day, would it change your life? Probably not. But if you went one day for a year or two years, it will completely revolutionize your body. So we had something consistent where it's year-round. It's in school settings. And how I got a part of it was when when I was uh, a kid, I was picked on and bullied because I was in special ed. Because they said I had a learning disability. And the challenge is, is that uh, I believe it's a learning different because we all learn differently. And if they were to actually help us learn um, how to learn and, and show us the right ways of how to learn, then we would be uh, better students. But but school's only really made for one type of person. Um, and so I'm more of a uh, visual and a hands-on learner than a book learner. Um, and so – I was picked on and teased and, and bullied uh, when I was younger, uh, everywhere from about kindergarten all the way through about you know junior year of high school. You know, to something said so not as much in high school, but it still was there. And and so I, I decided to get on TV and and stand up for some kids, not knowing that four and a half years later I would be running an international uh, youth development program. And uh, it's been uh, it's been amazing. It's been a success. We have some amazing backers. Uh, financial backers, foundations, corporations, and we're just building.
2: You know, definitely uh, back, you know, I think we are around the, uh, the the same age, and back when we were growing up, there weren't campaigns or organizations uh, that focused on anti-bullying, and I think it kind of let it accentuate itself rather well, you know, in, in the days where we were growing up. But what was it specifically uh, when you decided to, to found – your organization that you decided that this was where I wanted to focus on in helping kids maybe get over some of those humps and hurdles that they definitely experience at that younger age?
1: You know, and, and I think it's a bigger picture than just the younger age. I'll, I'll throw you out this. Um, the, uh, the United States of America is, is very good at being number one. Um, we are number one in prisons, number one in pharmaceutical drugs, number one in divorces, number one in old folks' homes. And those are not good number ones. Now, we're number one in military, too. Uh, We have the biggest military in the world. Even the next, I think it's 19 or 20 countries combined have the same size as we do. So um, we are, as a country, um, we have more um, ability. A person has more ability to do what they want in life, build a company, become a doctor, go to college. Whatever it is they want to do, they can pretty much do the challenge is is that we are bringing up the next generation of kids who is a give-me attitude, they're lazy, and they don't care. And it's 100% based upon one specific thing, which is families. And so our families now, a lot more people are divorced, but the national average is three minutes of undivided attention with a parent and a kid per day. So think if you were trying to start a radio show in the beginning and you only had three minutes of undivided attention from your mentor to start it, you'd be like, "Uh, how do I do this? And you wouldn't be as successful as people that are getting a couple hours a day. Um, The other thing is parents don't know how to parent um, to the best of their ability because they're not taking parenting courses. Most times from what I've seen and and all the parenting groups that I I work with around the country, um, they tell kids, most parents, you know, a kid wants to be a football player, a pro wrestler, this, that. And most parents say, Well, what's your backup plan? And so in the kids' mind it really discourages them because they, they're 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 thinking to themselves my mom doesn't think or my dad doesn't think I can do this in life. And so what we do is we really help the parents understand how to how to map that out. Um but it's 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 really that you know the bullying is a offshoot of family you know, family love and attention. Um you know, a lot of the time, they, a kid bullies another kid based upon he's being hurt. Uh, he's being bullied himself. He doesn't have love in his life. He has no value or fulfillment. So, uh, I know I'm probably throwing a little bit more at, at you guys than, than you wanted to go deep, but that's that's really what we have to solve in our country, or, or we're gonna we're gonna be having even more problems.
2: Now, I agree with you uh, 110% on everything you just said, because uh, that's. Definitely, uh, you know, the same feelings that I have on both of those topics that you just, uh, you just hit on. But let's, uh, let's talk about, Sunil, the career path that you were on originally, and that was, you know, in, in combat sports and, and also, you know, getting into professional wrestling. Tell us about how you decided back then what was your path and what led you to go where you started your career off with.
1: Well, 16 years old, I started my career off by getting myself put in juvenile hall uh, because I got into a fight, and I got into a fight because the kid was picking on me to the point of, um, you know, I got into a fight, and and I I beat him up and um, went to juvie, figured it wasn't too much fun to sit in a box, and so a couple months later, I went down to American Kickboxing Academy. and um, tried to figure out how to train, you know, train there, because my parents wouldn't pay, you know, they didn't want to pay for me to get beat up all the time, right? So right. Javier Mendez and Frank Shamrock, back in the day, coached me, and and um, and uh, and so I, I just started. That's how I started off. I, you know, I needed some some place to get my frustration and, and aggression out, and uh, and that's that that's what did it. Um, I was in wrestling. I started wrestling when I was twelve, and you know, my buddies and I, Kyle Kingsbury from the UFC, is one of my best friends from eighth grade still today. And uh, you know, back in the day, we watched wrestling at his house, and and so you know, we grew up with the sports, the football, wrestling, MMA started up, and and then uh, and then you know, I got an opportunity through tough enough to to be able to do it. I was I was going to college at the time, and I uh, it's funny because some educator out there is going to listen to this next part. I, I dropped out of college. Uh, to, to follow my dream. And so uh haven't gone back. Um, and uh, I just uh, went after WWE. You know, it, it's funny because I don't think I've ever said that actually on a radio show. And, and that's, that's the biggest part is, is is college is supposed to, to, to educate you for your dreams in life. Um, so I followed my dream and, and I was going back and forth with MMA, pro wrestling for a few years. And officially June this year, I'm going to be going back to pro wrestling.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. And uh, we'll definitely get into that, and we'll definitely, definitely get into it tough enough. But one thing you said that really stuck out was uh, your MMA career and American Kickboxing Academy, which is awesome. And you said legendary names like Frank Shamrock and Javier Mendez. What was it like training with those guys? Were you, like, um, maybe a little starstruck at first, or were you comfortable? I
1: You know... I I guess I was I I just got my 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 butt whooped all the time, so I don't think you can be starstruck when you're getting your butt whooped. Like I, I don't think I, I, literally. I mean they would they would throw. I'll just give you an example. I'm gonna post a video this week, uh, this coming up week, and it was funny because Javier Mendez talks in this video. There's a guy that fought Mike Tyson um, when Mike was knocking everybody out in the first second round, and this guy. Um, went to like the fourth or fifth round, something like that. And it was funny because he stopped coming to the gym and Hobb tells a story and he starts laughing at the end because he he literally, I go, Hobb, why isn't he here? And I was like 16 or 17 years old and he goes, man, I don't know. And next week I show up and the guy's still not there and I go, is he okay? And he goes, oh yeah, he just got tired of beating you up.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and so, so literally these guys would pummel me. I'd hit the ground I'd hit the mat, or just take a beating, and I'd keep going.
0: It was very challenging. Now, when you were actually, you know, when you were fighting in MMA, you actually had an 8-0 record, I believe. I believe I'm correct on that. And you fought for a strike force uh, about four times. What was it like being in, you know, a somewhat big promotion like that and being undefeated and almost, um, I'm not going to say not following up with it, but... Almost like, why did you stop with MMA, given the fact that you were undefeated and you actually were in a big-time promotion?
1: Yeah, I had some, uh, I had some um, uh, challenges uh, with contracts that uh, that I can't talk about. But uh, okay. we have the NDA side now. But uh, I went through some challenges with that. Went to another company. Uh, fought for them a couple times in LA. Um, I also fought for Bodog once in Costa Rica and then X1 in Japan. Um, so it was it was great because I I really enjoyed the fighting. I I, I like both. What I learned was is that you do what you do love to do in life and there's different opportunities that that you know get taken away depending on politics and and you know and all the all the the BS that's out there. And so I've I've got jacked on a couple contracts and I've I've seen that and that's why, and I don't know how much Brittany told you to set this up, but that's why we're we're launching our own brand for pro wrestling and entertainment, because my whole thing is, is is the people that really want to be there and really want to wrestle, you'll see the dedication and you'll see, you know, who wants it and, and who wants to build a company with you and, and who wants to make an impact. Cause you can wrestle to wrestle all day, but, if our country's going down the tube, you know, your name will never be remembered. But if we get together and we wrestle or we fight or we do whatever it is together and, and we really make impact where we where we um you know inspire, you know, youth and, and and really change the world somehow, people will remember what we did for a very long time. And so, you know, one day WWE's name will be done because you know, it, it's 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 sad to say, but you know, I mean, nobody's going to remember it for a long time because they haven't impacted they've impacted the world with entertainment, but they haven't impacted the world with actual social change. You know, they have they have a ridiculously uh, uh, ridiculously simple you know anti-bullying program that probably causes more bullies based upon they talk about bullying and they don't solve bullying. And so it's interesting just to see who actually steps up to the plate and who. Who will who will actually sometimes put a little bit of profit, um, you know, in in the in the way of of their decisions versus who will say, you know, what I'll spend a little more money to make real social change.
0: Right, definitely. Now, as we move on from the um, MMA world that you were in, and we go into the W B world, how did you initially get into Tough Enough? Like, did you you see that they were? pumping it up and you wanted to be involved or how did that actually all go down? <laughs> uh
1: it was actually um Dave Meltzer's wife. They called me up. Huh. Um and uh we talked uh we talked about it before and and she said, Hey, why don't you do this uh, tough enough? I said, Let's go. And so um so I did, you know, and, and that's what um um You know, it's it's pretty cool to be able to see how well I did. You know, there's a guy named Ed Connors who actually, uh, if it wasn't for him, you know, uh, John Cena, for instance, you know, wouldn't be in WWE today. He he was the one that really helped John get there. And uh, I I met him in L.A. and he said, uh, "Bleach your hair, get a tan, and get a six pack." And I did, and and um, I showed up for Tough Enough Day, and I was in shape. Uh I was, you know, the, the first or second fastest, you know, in the in the um in the obstacle courses and I cut a horrible promo. And then they made me go get a go pick up a girl which I, I'm pretty good at. Um, you know, down down the beach and they followed me down there and the girl came back and she's like, you know, and that's that's what that's what, you know, did it. So it was interesting how, you know, I prepared for it right, but, you know, not 100%. And But I had some, you know, I was doing a lot of promo stuff with uh, Dave Meltzer. He was, he's been a good friend of mine since I was 16, and he's mentored me. And so it's it pretty awesome.
0: Now, do you just know uh, Dave Meltzer from being in the San Jose area or when you were in the San Jose area?
1: Correct, yeah. So Dave Meltzer um, was really good friends with Frank Shamrock. And so, um, Frank, uh, we used to all go over there. Frank introduced me originally. We used to go over there and watch uh, Fight Nights and and everything else uh, over there.
0: So it was pretty awesome. Wow. It's very interesting. (laughs) What's what's so interesting? Tell me. Tell me. Because Dave Meltzer, basically, think about it, he was like the godfather of uh, journalism for pro wrestling and almost for MMA. So it's very interesting that you had such a close relationship. I had no idea. When you just said Dave Meltzer's wife, I'm like, Dave Meltzer's wife? What do you doing? How does he know Dave Meltzer? You know, it's just very interesting. I mean, being a, a oh, big yeah. wrestling fan, his name is like synonymous with wrestling, you know, for many, many years.
1: Oh, oh I know. And and he's been, a, you know, you know, the one thing I'll tell you out of everything else, like you,
0: yeah,
1: I wasn't born, like I, I, I was a special, ed- this kid, right. With, with, uh, I was one of the slowest kids in the mile run. Right. So I was born with like, no athletic ability, and, and I learned half the speed as everybody else, right? And I went from that to who I am today. The only thing, the biggest thing that that got me on, on that difference was having mentors in my life and with Frank and Javier Mendez and Bob Cook and, um, you know, just Dave Meltzer. All these guys added so much value to my life and inspired me. That's the only reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today.
0: And that's so interesting. I'm I'm still thinking, like, that's such a uh, little cool tie-in that you've known him since you were basically 16, and he kind of influenced, or his family kind of influenced you to to get into WB Tough Enough. And speaking of WB Tough Enough, now, the original thing that it was a million dollars, but when you actually read up on it, it actually isn't a million dollars Tough Enough. Oh, I know. So... What was that like? I mean, going going in. Did you know the original contract, or or was or was that all WB's, you know inner workings of making it look no. uh very very interesting.
1: No, he, here's 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 my challenge. Is you, you have um uh you have if you have a contract, right? And and I knew it was four years guaranteed, guaranteed one year. I mean, you pretty much have to sign up for toughen up. Knowing that you're going into that sort of thing, right? So, mm-hmm. so to be able to, he, he, my challenge is is with that whole entire thing is that I, um, I was doing really well in OVW. They were bringing me up. What they didn't, what they did wrong was they offered me a contract after the first year for fifty thousand a year. And so, it, 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 it was to, to me it's respect, right? Like if you, if you, if somebody's doing what you want and you want them to wrestle for your company, well, then, then pay them what you told them you would pay them and and follow through with, with what, with what you, you know, said you would do. And that's just one of my biggest challenges with that whole entire thing is that it wasn't that they didn't want us, didn't want me. Um, it was that, they wanted me for the price that they wanted me for, and and it, and so it's just a very unique
0: situation. Yeah, it's almost like um, like a bait and switch kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do this. You, you've been doing everything we wanted to do. We're happy with you, but yeah, we'll, we're only going to pay you this amount of money, and we're going to send you to deep south or, or wherever they wherever they were thinking about sending you. Kind of a bit yeah. of a bait it's- and switch to me.
1: It, 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 and it is, it is what it is at the end of the day. But to me, it, it's don't you know? It, it's like you know, you're with what you do for work. It's like you know, if they they hire you one and you leave another company for X, and then they say after a year they go, hey, you know what? Now we're not going to pay you seventy thousand a year. We're going to pay you ten thousand a year. Hmm. Uh, you know not, what I'm saying? Like how, To
0: fair, me, I,
1: I mean, I don't believe. Life is fair at all, but it's not. It's not respectful, and it's very dishonest. You know, so I, so I, I just don't have any. You know, I just don't have any respect for him. It's very, it's very interesting.
0: Now, one of the great things that happened on Tough Enough, I just thought it was great because it was, it was something real that happened in, in a situation where it's supposed to be scripted, and that's in 2004 on SmackDown. Kurt Angle's shooting on a forget his name, Chris Narwaki, uh, he's yeah. shooting on him, and he, you know, he kicks his ass, and then all of a sudden, he shoots on you, you're on your back, and boom, you lock in a Kimura, or a, a key lock, to someone that may not be familiar with the Kimura term, but you lock it in there, and you basically almost get Kurt Angle to tap out. What was that like? I mean, that that was awesome. You know what
1: is? Uh,
0: I think I was just mentally prepared
1: for that sort of thing. Um, Danny, Sh- Have you ever heard of Danny Shade, by chance?
0: No. Mm -hmm.
1: So Danny Shade wrestled Kurt Angle to get into the 96 Olympics and lost by a couple points. So Danny Shade was one of my coaches and, you know, those top guys, they're all that good. They're, they're, you know, it's whoever's day is, you know, whoever, whoever gets a good day gets the day. Right. I mean, like when you're at that level, it's just, everybody's the best. Uh, So Danny um, basically had whooped me a bunch back in the day and, so I figured, hey, you know, I mean Kurt can't be that much tougher than Danny, you know, so <laughs> I've already gotten whooped. Let's see let's see what I could do. And um so uh, you know, I tested it out and and, uh, and their rules when I went into the ring were no striking. And I don't know if you saw the referee um his video about six months ago and Kurt just admitted it a few months ago too, but um you know, he admitted that. Yeah, I did have him. You know, and so it's it's just interesting to be able to see how people are like, no, no, that's not that's not true. And now Kurt, like seven years later, years later, goes, yeah, you know, Peter had me. So it's just it's
0: just pretty funny. Yeah, Jimmy Cordero he admitted it, and uh, Kurt Angle admitted it. Because I mean, what what is he going to say if you really look at it? If you cinch it a little bit further, you could perhaps maybe even broke his arm or feel were worse for WWE you almost could have made a tap on national tv when obviously you weren't supposed to well
1: i just i just wanted to win <laughs> like i wasn't you know i you know would i break in his arms like it was I, as far it was as tight as it could go let's put it that way without coming off
0: hmm. Amazing. what did you
1: what did you think about the format
2: and actually doing the competition on T V week in and week out you know, against each one of your uh, your fellow competitors.
1: I loved it. Um I, I know probably about the fifth week in there were a few guys left and, and they actually had all the guys talk smack like they told us, Okay, you have to you know, say one thing about who you're gonna vote off. And it's funny because I think there were three people that all said, We want to vote Pewter off because of da 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 and and everybody else, like I didn't know who to say to vote off, but they made me say one person. But I, I already knew what they were doing because I, I was like, if they're doing this to me, they're doing it to everybody else, which means all of them are pissed off at me. So I think I picked the, the reverse guy of who I wanted. Um, but it's you know, just funny just to be able to – because Dave Meltzer I was so close with, I was on the phone with him for probably an hour a day, half an hour a day on average going over promos, going over what to address, how to dress, what to do. Um, it was very interesting.
2: And then also, yeah, and it was, uh, you know, the kind of the, the interaction with the crowd was something that they had never really done before. And I guess uh, that also kind of adds to the test of the actual competitor and how you can perform. And a couple of guys from your competition, you know, have gone on to have pretty – you know, detailed careers in the WWE like uh, Ryan Reeves, aka Ryback, and Mike Mizanin, aka The Miz. Did you see in any of those other guys the uh, potential breakout superstars that they become?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, all of them had a lot of potential, right? I mean, they they narrowed it down from ten thousand down to you know down to fifty, and then out of fifty, they picked those and and had them at a tryout, to pick top eight, right? So I know that right. they all had they all had skills, they all had potential. Um, uh, none of them have values. I mean, four of them said they were they they didn't drink, and they were all drunk, plastering, cheating on their wives or girlfriends within the first you know a couple weeks. You know, so so it's just it's just crazy. Do they have can they wrestle? Sure. Can they build a wrestling career? Sure. You know, I mean, it's you know, I mean, are they are they unique individuals? Sure, but you know, I mean, it, it is what it is
2: we'll uh we'll move on straight past uh the May Young kissing uh, competition and we'll get right into the uh the two thousand and five Royal Rumble where you infamously had a uh, had an appearance with uh, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit and uh Bob Holly, and uh they definitely uh seemed like they were trying to uh teach a lesson or something, but uh what were your thoughts on that appearance in the Royal Rumble?
1: They were trying to teach me a lesson. Um you know what, and that's the challenge, right? You know, in in the world of MMA, my the the theory behind how you train is you train smart, and you're training not to hurt each other, and in that whole experience, <laughs> right away, you know they they uh, they <laughs> they they pound, you know they pounded on me, and that just showed me that, you know, I mean if it, they if they wanted to, they could have actually built me, and I would have busted my ass and been loyal. Um, you know it is what it is,
2: you know unfortunately, I think it was about ten years too early because obviously, with your background and your skills and the way you you know your whole entire appearance you know, now I think would have gotten treated a lot differently. Whereas then, yeah, they definitely were just trying to make, you know, make an example out of a tough enough winner where you definitely had to bust your ass to get where you were. And it was just, it was a little, uh, you know, it was a little it was a little much if you watched that, that Royal Rumble back. But after that, you were in OVW for a little bit before you were released. But how was that developmental territory and getting through OVW and those, uh, those shows?
1: I loved it. I loved OVW. Danny was amazing down there. Al Snow, Bill Lamont. Um Bill Demont was unique. He was he was tougher than everybody else. And I know he just, you know, I, I heard he just got fired <laughs> out of, uh, which is which is sad to hear. Um, but they were great coaches. You know, they they pushed us hard and they trained us hard, and that was the that was the whole thing about you know to become the best. You gotta you gotta train harder than everybody else.
2: You know, and actually, uh, Bill DeMott was forced to uh, step down and relinquish his position because of kind of what you were talking about a little bit earlier with what you're doing now, and that is, uh, you know, there were a lot of guys stepping forward and, you know, talking about his style and basically, uh, you know, the way he went about his training methods. And uh, from what it appears to be, it was just a hard-nosed trainer. Who was given, you know, his side of how he was trained in the business to a new generation that really couldn't handle it, and you know, kind of was a little soft about it. Uh, but your experience with <laughs> Bill Demott, I mean, how how was he on a day to day basis in getting you through the drills to make you a better uh, pro wrestler?
1: You know what, I I I never I had one instance with him. couple out three or four instances. Um, you know, besides that, you know, he was he was a great trainer. Um, so we, 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 uh, was very interesting, but he was, you know, overall, he's a, he's a good guy.
0: Now, changing gears here a little bit, I know we're talking about, uh, Bill DeMott, but obviously you were doing MMA and pro wrestling and now with CM Punk doing MMA or doing MMA now, but was a pro wrestler, what do you think his chances are? And have you ever had any run-ins with him? I think you guys just missed each other in OVW, actually.
1: No, no, no. He was was down there. Um, And if we did miss each other, I saw him somewhere. I think he was down there um, when I was there for a while. Uh, You know what? He's a really nice guy. I always liked him. Uh, Let's just say I don't feel kind of bad for him. I think he's going to get his butt whooped. But um, he was always a real nice guy to me.
0: Oh, didn't didn't realize... Oh, sorry. When I go. went
1: back when I went back from Tough Enough and I had my first fight at the H B Pavilion in San Jose, um I got into the cage and, and the guy hit me once and I'm like my first reaction was like, Holy crap, it's real. <laughs> 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 so so uh it's it's
0: it it's a big difference,
1: you know? I mean it's a huge difference on on, on you know, on just everything.
0: Do you think that they'll give him like a real opponent? First time out, or you think they're going like, to give them, you know, somebody soft that hopefully they can build upon. Um,
1: I, you know what? Even if they do give them somebody the first time, he can build upon. What is he going to do the second, third time? You know, I mean, it, it's it's a no joke sport. You know, I mean, it's 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 different than pro wrestling. If you don't win, you get really smashed. So, oh, I don't know. I, I hope he trains right for it.
0: Now, he made a certain company, independent company, very famous, and kind of put him on the map, so to speak, along with a couple other guys. But you ended up being there, which was kind of a shocker to me. It was Ring Ring of Honor. You made your debut in 2007. A little bit of a shocker to see you on there, but it was really, really cool. And uh, they kind of did something a little bit different with you. You had the $1,000 submission challenge. Did you enjoy your time in Ring
1: of Honor? I did, really good guys. I, I really enjoyed ROH. Um, I w- I wish I would have been able to do more with them, but you know everything happens for a reason. Um, but they're a really good company. I really I really like all of their
0: their team, their staff, their wrestlers. They're great. Now you had you signed with them or was it just like a per appearance deal? Well, we were talking
1: more. Um, it didn't up it didn't end up going that way, which is which is you know that was fine, but. It was um, it was great. Uh, I, uh, I it was for one time wrestling act.
0: And you actually uh, wrestled Claudio Castagnoli, right? And uh, who's actually uh, Antonio Cesaro right now? Is he doing good now? I haven't I
1: haven't I haven't watched in a while. Is he doing
0: good? He I mean he's an awesome wrestler. He's doing unbelievable. But he awesome. he was a tag team champion. But now it kind of seems like he's getting. Not that they wouldn't say D-Push because him and Tyson Kidd are on TV all the time, but he's not being elevated to where I think he could be elevated to. Hmm. Did you see a well, lot of potential in him?
1: Yeah, he was a great guy. He was really nice, um, good, good worker, and, and um, I definitely enjoyed working with him
0: when I was out there. Now, you also wrestled for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you wrestled... One of the greatest wrestlers alive, and especially one of the greatest wrestlers going right now, is uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. What were your memories of working with him?
1: Okay, so funny story.
0: Um,
1: Shinsuke, when I was 17 years old or so, came to America with a guy named Brian Johnston, who was one of my coaches. Brian used to wrestle in Japan, and he fought there, too. So Brian brought him into AK and we were actually training together when I was that young. Oh wow. Come roll for ten years and he is a superstar in Japan. Is that crazy?
0: Wow, that is crazy. Huh. What a small world. And yet yeah, literally he's probably if not the best, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. He is such a dynamic guy.
1: Um his his personality and, and everything else. When I was over there, I got to tag team with him on a bunch of matches. Just 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 a really amazing guy. Wrestler, personality, everything.
0: Which that that is that's unbelievable. That's another cool story. I mean first you had the Dave Meltzer story which is cool, but this is even cooler, Nakamura. Wow. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> no, the Dave, Dave Meltzer story is the best one out of everything. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Although, um, looking at another match you had, uh, you beat Hanma, who's one of the most over guys in New Japan Pro Wrestling now. The crowd absolutely loves him. And a few years ago, you actually got to you know face him and you actually beat him. You know what? He's a
1: rock star, too. Um, the New Japan team, those guys are such hard workers. Uh, when I was over there, my last two I did... 18 days in uh i did 15 shows in 18 days something like that it was a tougher schedule in wwe um just just great guys just every single one of them you know i, I love i love the food i love the culture over there um I, you know I've, I've been blessed with the ability to to really push myself and and that's given me a lot of opportunity so it's, it's pretty great
0: yeah, no, it's pretty cool. You've been able to wrestle Nakamura, Hanma, and then if you look back in some of your OVW matches, uh, a guy that I love, a great wrestler, was Brent Albright. You got to wrestle him. But do you have a favorite match or maybe favorite matches throughout your career that you've been able to have? Hmm.
1: Well, I trained. I did a tag team uh, match with um, Randy Orton when I was in OVW. Um, I, uh, I worked with... Um, you know, out of all the matches, oh, who would be the favorite? I, I would say the, the favorite tour I did was with uh, Shinsky. That was that was pretty awesome. Um, I'd say the matches were great. I'd say my I, I, I favor the training uh, more because I was trained by more guys in WWE when when I was there. So after I won even tough enough, I went back and I'd help set up the ring still. And, and I did all that stuff. It was, you know, it was about... You know, I, I was really into that sort of thing, and and um, and uh, a lot of guys that went into the ring and Holly and those guys, they would just they would just run me, <clears throat> and and I, I would try to learn as much as I could.
0: I would guess not more was probably this your favorite opponent of your career as well. Um
1: Yeah, I would say if I could wrestle him. Did you see the main event? Was it New Year's? Was that the big match that he was just on?
0: January fourth, he fought uh Kota Ibushi. Amazing, Dave Meltzer five star match. Yeah,
1: I would have to say if I could wrestle him in, some, in an event like that, that would be that would be uh, that'd be pretty sweet.
0: That would be awesome in the Tokyo Dome too, which uh, that would be very very cool.
1: Of course, you guys want to come?
0: Let's do it. I'll sign up for it tomorrow. I'm ready. <laughs> no, obviously MMA fighter as well. Your age, you no. Know, do you have a favorite fight that you can pick up that you really, you know, put your stamp of approval on as your favorite?
1: I have to say my fight in Costa Rica. Uh, went against undefeated guy. He looked out of shape, but I I didn't get fight footage until probably about a week before the fight, two re- maybe two weeks before the fight, and he was beating the hell out of these guys. Um, I I kicked him in the head first round, dropped him, and uh, jumped on him and started smashing him. And um, I'm pretty glad it, it went that fast. That was that was good. You know, he was undefeated. He left defeated, and I'm still undefeated.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, well, that's that's pretty awesome. And uh, actually, you know, before we let you go, uh, we, we would like to end it with a: Where do you see yourself in five years? uh question but i got to say more based off of uh my life my power world where do you see my life my power world in 5 years and after what you've
1: done with it so far where do you see it going well i'm wrestling like four times four times in the next year uh june 21st in houston if you guys want to come out would love to get you some seats um and then we're wrestling in la um uh and then uh in i think september 12th and then in uh florida in uh november 14th i think and then we're going to be doing a, a big show beginning of next year, which is going to be interesting. Um, but I, I see us growing in school districts. I see us helping uh, people get to where they want to go in life. Because a lot of the time the big thing is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and that's, that's the biggest challenge of life. And so unless you have the right guidance or the right um, uh, perspective, then it's very hard to get there. And, and so um, I think we're going to help more and more people. Uh, and I, I, if anybody ever, you know, wants to go through our program that's listening to the show, you know, just go to, um, my, life, my shoot us an email and say you've listened and, and I'll give you our, our program for free online. And, uh, so it's, it's pretty cool to be able to see how to get to your dreams, your goals. So I, my goal in five years would be, I want to be in front of probably about, about 20 percent of this country's kids from K through college, um, uh, per year, which would be about, uh, about 15 million kids. Uh, per year, and we'll just grow up from there. You know, in 20 years, I'll, I'll be—you know—we'll be in every single school in the country, and we'll we'll rebuild this country to to what it what it is and what it should be long term.
2: Definitely, that's awesome. That is a, that's a hell of a goal. And uh, please, again, just tell us where we can see you. Your your matches coming up, and also uh, any other plugs that you want to get out there—Facebook, uh, Twitter, any place we can find you.
1: Yeah, everybody can just Google me, Daniel Pewter, or My With My Power, but. If you, we just, we haven't even officially launched yet. You're the first person, uh, uh, it's my life, my power entertainment.com. And that's where you can see the, the matches coming up. We're going to be throwing on all the wrestlers there this week. Um, we partnered with three different companies, um, outside of, uh, Texas, uh, or inside of Texas, which are amazing. Um, we have some really great guys. We'll be announcing all that this coming week, but, um, you know, maybe what I can do, guys, too, is if people write into you and you have two, you have a couple of people in Houston um, that, that want a couple of tickets, uh, I'll give you guys a couple of tickets to give out. Um, so you know, help promote your your guys' website and, and brand or whatever else, whatever I can do for you.
2: Yeah. Definitely, yeah, that sounds great to us without a doubt. Appreciate that. So
1: yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, check out myelectricpowerentertainment My dot com and and. Uh, and we'll we'll keep rocking and rolling. And, and I'd love to have you guys at one of the events too, because then then you guys can see um, uh, you know what we're what we're doing and, and how we're building the community and really making long term uh, sustainable change, which is going to be great. Awesome.
2: All right. Well, thanks so much, Daniel. We really appreciated the time tonight. It's been a lot of fun. And. Uh...